We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. With Emprise, you can check your balance as fast as you can check the scores. They'll even give you an instant replay so you can review the ruling on the field. Emprise Bank, member FDIC. So thankful for them buying into what we're doing here at KC Sports Network. And we've got a lot to talk about today at KC Sports Network. And it's not just that. We are now accepting subscribers to our KCSN Substack, Maddie Lane. It's more than just that. There is Chiefs news to talk about, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. We're coming off of the end of kind of the mandatory training camp or mandatory mini camp portion of the Chiefs offseason. So we've had three days worth of pressers. We got the big end of camp news dump that kind of happened this afternoon. So that gives us a lot of talking points. But I do want to start kind of right off the top, just real quick. I think this is something that maybe we didn't do as great of a job of showing or sharecasing with everybody else. It's that there's, yes, we are accepting subs now, but not everything we're doing is going to be specific to subscribers. This podcast is going to continue to be free. All the podcasts, there will be a daily podcast from the KC Sports Network available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast right now available there will still be multiple articles every single week available to you, even if you are not a subscriber to the KCSN. I don't know why you wouldn't be, but if you are, <laughs> there will still be content out there for you. So I just wanted to clear that up because I do think there had been some questions about that coming in from the last day or two. And Craig, yeah. I know you're very hyped today. You have a lot of energy. You can't <laughs> contain yourself. So I'm sorry for taking so much of your time right now, but please have the floor. Listen, I am hyped because... We're building a community. We're building it with you. There's already so many people that have subscribed. If you are interested in subscribing to the KCSN Substack, it's going to be 250 plus articles a year, exclusive original content. It's going to be a Discord server where you can sit down and watch film with us. You can talk about prospects as we get into draft season. We can talk about weekly Chiefs breakdowns, everything like that. We're creating this community that also has giveaways. You can have a barbecue, cookies, things coming from other sponsors that we haven't announced yet, Chiefs tickets, just all of these things, plus meetups, plus all the content that you're just going to get and an exclusive podcast. There is one podcast that will not be on the free feed. That exclusive podcast goes to those people. So if that sounds good, it is $5 a month. 
$40 a year. If you get in now, you can get that 40 bucks. It's going to be, that's the cheapest rate that we're going to offer it. So if you are interested, get your finances in order, get on board with that. We got stuff coming down the pipe. Now let's talk about the Chiefs because mandatory minicamp this week was actually full of quite a few things, quite a few observations, things that we need to talk about. Most somebody definitely. said draft season. I'm certain somebody said draft season in all of this. <laughs> there Already? is. Oh my lord! It's this is it's gonna get out of hand. But KCSN Substack, you're gonna get a massive discount on the KC Draft Guide and a oh, lot of behind too. the scenes access on the KC Draft Guide and early access uh, to the content from the KC Draft Guide. So it will be draft season soon enough, Maddie. The first thing we've got to talk about is not one of the press conferences. Uh, it's something that came from Lewis Riddick. And the reason we have to talk about this is because when Lewis Riddick says it, it's pretty gold when it comes mm -hmm. to the Chiefs. He is very well connected with the Chiefs. And so we've taken all this stuff very seriously. If you remember, he was first on Patrick Mahomes too, being very out there and aggressive on the Patrick Mahomes love. He knows things about this organization. And Lewis Riddick today tweeted, been saying that the Chiefs could have their best O-line they've had since Mahomes has, Mahomes has been there in 2021. And that could be with two rookie starters, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. There is, it. look, the Kyle Long, some injuries. We talked a little bit about Trey Smith being in the competition there last week when we were out at McAdoodles. Maddie. The Trey Smith buzz is not slowing down even a little bit here. Not at all. And I think there's been, it's been easy to dismiss Trey Smith kind of being a day three draft pick, a guy that has had some health concerns. So you don't know what you're getting. It's been easy to dismiss him as a fun drafted player on day three. That's probably not going to really compete. But I think if you've been paying attention, if you've been reading, you know, between the lines, the coaching staff loves him. The players seem to like him. Anytime somebody gets to talk about Trey Smith, they have nothing but glowing things to say about him. And when you're a rookie and you're kind of getting a lot of second team reps and then an injury happens in front of you, I do think that that kind of boosts up your ability to win the starting job. When the guy that was considered the starter ahead of you goes down and it's you versus another veteran, I feel like teams lean towards the younger player, the guy that they can mold going forward because they already having to replace you know, their essential first option. And Trey Smith's just in the perfect scenario here. He's a super talented player. He would have been drafted in the top 50, top 75 without off-field concerns. But you plug him into the way this offensive line's shaping up. And I'm going to let Craig dive into this because this has been – his, first of all, we got to talk about this. Our defensive analyst, our defensive specialist has gone full <laughs> heel on us and has just done nothing but offensive work all offseason. Right. I love to see the growth, but I'm also very happy to know that he realizes defense doesn't matter. But I'm going to let him dive into why Trey Smith's a great fit for where the Chiefs offensive line might be trying to go right now. I'm just happy that he's getting a chance because as we all remember, I chose Trey Smith as my favorite rookie for this Chiefs draft class. You did choose Trey Smith as your favorite rookie. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm all on board with Conductor Creed and the Trey Train. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> every nickname we ever create involves a locomotive of some kind. I, and I am Every single one of them. And guess what? The Trey Train is coming right through that gap. He's coming right to your linebackers. He's going to pancake all of them. It's good. I am hyped that they're giving these rookies the chance. I am always team play your kids. You know, get the young ones in there early. Find out what you've got. That's what we're doing. That's what Lewis Riddick is saying here. 
this offensive line is going to go out and they're going to run a lot more gap schemes. They're still going to run plenty of zone schemes. You're going to see a much more powerful offensive line. Guys are going to drive defensive tackles off the ball. Guys are going to climb to the second level and be able to flatten linebackers. The mentality is going to be completely different than Andy Reid offensive lines that I think that we've all grown accustomed to since he's been here. These athletic pull into space, screen heavy kind of guys that can be mobile. These guys can do some of that as well, but they're going to win in short yardage situations. They're going to win late in games when offense or when defenses are trying to load up against the run and stop the Chiefs from running out the clock. And the most important part of this, they can be diverse. They can run gap schemes. They can run zone schemes. It's not going to be predictable. It's not going to be a consistent style of running behind Andy Reid. That's going to put more on the plate for defensive coordinators in the run game. And we already know that they've got plenty on their plate in the passing game. This is just going to make things a lot more dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. So I am absolutely in love with getting these guys in and getting them run early because I want them to play both of them. I think that this is way better for the chiefs in the long run. And you like, it's not just scheme. It's talent. The talent is just, it's, it's markedly improved. And that's an important note when you're talking about all this. The thing with Trey Smith that's so interesting to me is there's been so much talk about the medical sign side of all of this with him and this, you know, getting a plan together for him, him being able to practice. You can't you can't play in the National Football League as a sixth round pick and not practice. You have to be in there, you know, putting in that work that you can't get your it's it's hard to cater a plan to a sixth round player very often. But it looks like to this point and it looks like the chiefs are pretty confident and it looks like the tray train is full steam ahead yes it looks like he's full steam why can't we just call him the train because because <laughs> i like the the conductor creed part of it as well because he's going to be yeah. directing traffic he's going to be calling all the all the protections up front too he's the conductor conductor the defenses creed. are going to have to watch their a gaps <laughs> oh my Okay, that's horrendous. Yeah, that's horrendous. But this what? this is where we're going off the tracks. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, this is derailed very quickly. Uh we gotta we gotta really calm this down. Um, there was under one other guy that Lewis Rig did profile, and if you've been watching this show a little bit or listening to the show a little bit, we've been trying to read some of the context clues that happened with the OTAs. Noah Gray has been getting a little bit of run. With the first team, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, that's not an accident. You don't waste Patrick Mahomes' time. And Lewis Reddick kind of confirmed that, that they really like the fifth-round pick uh, out of Duke. And I, I said it a while back, you don't just trade up for anybody. A trade-up is a positive indicator for anybody. That's a very specific, hey, we want this guy. That's good news for Noah Gray, and it's really good news for the Chiefs because there's a lot of buzz going out there about their day three picks, Maddie. Even Andy Reid was asked about Noah Gray this week, and he had nice things to say about him. He obviously did say, you know, full pads aren't on. He does need to see him in terms of handling the physicality and in the run game, but he said he was willing to. I think one of the best things he said about him was that he does a good job presenting himself as friendly to a quarterback. And I think mm -hmm. when Andy Reid starts throwing that out there, what he means is he gets open, 
and he understands where holes like zone coverages are going to be. He's works, understanding works what back a to the football. I mean, yeah. working back to the football. The another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's making it easy to have the ball yeah. be delivered to him. And I just think when you listen to Andy Reid, we've talked about this almost every single year. When you listen to Andy Reid enough, you start to pick up on what his phrases actually mean. And what that phrase means is that Noah Gray has found himself a fair amount of targets or has been open during their practices and he seems to get it. There's still another step to be taken once pads come on. But as of right now, it sounds like he's doing good. It sounds like he's impressing at this essentially passing only camp. I'm not sure you can say the same for every single other rookie that she's kind of drafted. We talked about a lot of them so far. You know, my guy, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, the conductor. We talked about Noah Gray, another one of my favorite players. But there's three other rookies here that I don't think we've heard near as much about. You know, Joshua Kando, I think Chris Jones talked about him a little bit, but essentially I think we all still know he's a relatively raw pass rusher. It doesn't sound like he's making the same kind of waves. Cornell Powell kind of had a really hot start, it sounded like, to rookie minicamp, but I feel like the hype's kind of died down a little bit. So I think it's time to fans to step back and reset their expectations for a day three wide receiver that needed until his red shirt senior year to kind of show up at Clemson. Not that he's a bad player. I think he'll be a really good special teamer. He's going to try really hard, and he does fit a role that the Chiefs need. It's just that he is a day three pick for a reason. So I do think that these interviews are kind of resetting the expectations for those guys. And then the big one, there's just essentially not been much said about Nick Bolton. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad. I do think based on the amount of hype that you've heard about a lot of these other guys, though, I do think it's a little interesting to say the least that Nick Bolton has not received, it seems like, as much praise as the other guys. And you guys can tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but it seems like there's a little bit more of a, there's a learning curve ahead of him kind of approach to Nick Bolton. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I think Spagnuolo's even kind of alluded to he's got to take some more steps in order to get on the field and that they're still kind of looking and finding his role. We've seen some pictures from OTAs that Willie Gay's been at the will, Anthony Hitchens been at the mic, and Ben Neiman has been at the Sam. So I, I do think that they're going to give him the opportunity to win a position. I, I Listen, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo both said They love his physical nature and that this isn't his game right now, especially in a passing camp. We've talked about how he needs work on his coverage in a passing camp. He's really behind the eight ball a little bit where he's going to thrive is when they get the pads on, when they get to play a little more physical, even shells, you know, something where he can, he can put his body into another guy a little bit more. We might get to see them talk about him a little bit more. I just don't know for sure that this is his forte being a passing heavy camp. That's a really good point, Craig. I mean, it is a really good point. Those are some of the concerns about his game, how he's going to be able to translate as a coverage player. Um, you know, and and if this you're right, this isn't this this time of year is not what is conducive to his, you know, best traits. And so maybe that's just it. Maybe when the pads come on, he's able to kind of start yep. making some plays in the run game. Man, yeah. You're hoping he kind of starts flying around, the instincts start kicking in a little bit. That would that's a really good point. That's a really good um, explanation there, Craig. When I feel like they gave him an easy path, though, just with Neiman kind of starting at Sam during the pictures that we've seen, which is far from set in stone. But like Ben Neiman is not a Sam linebacker. That is a very (laughs) light, very non-physically imposing Sam linebacker. For as you know, as much as the Chiefs have liked to use Neiman in coverage, he has never been a downhill thumping linebacker, which is what your Sam usually is. 
So hopefully during training camp, when you know things get a little more physical, you do start to see Bolton flash a little bit more and start to earn a little bit more of this praise that some of the other rookies have been getting in what Andy Reid has dubbed a passing camp. Well, it's still there's a lot of time here, but you like sure. to you like to look to identify what information is available and what little context clues are available to you. Um, and a lot of times, frankly, the context clues are, I don't want to say 100% accurate, but there are a lot of correlations between what the reality is and how these guys are presented. I think Willie Gay, there was some real talk about him. You know, it was it was tempered a lot of times last year with, with Willie Gay. And guess what? Took him a while to figure things out. You never was able to really carve out a role. is very similar in that regard. Um, Tyron Matthew spoke today and there was, there's been a a lot of tweets, a lot of tweets that no longer exist this entire (laughs) off season, but you kind of heard him on the record talking about his desire to remain here in Kansas city. Optimistic. It sounds like a deal will get done and hopefully one that keeps him here in Kansas city for an extended period of time. Craig. Yeah. I all along, I, I have made sure to to note all along when we've been talking about Tyron Matthew and his contract, Tyron told you I delete a lot of tweets. Tyron will tweet <laughs> a, lot. a lot of stuff. It's it's fine. That's who he is. There's not an issue with it. There's no problem with it. But Tyron tweets what's on his mind. And if you're in a negotiation and the team that you're talking to maybe comes to you with a number that you think is a little bit low as a starting point, you know, in a negotiation, maybe you take to Twitter a little bit and you post some stuff. Anyway, it sounds like, based on today's presser, Tyron Matthew is very happy with the direction that things are going. This is a... Before when it was like, yeah, I'm going to let my agent handle it. Oh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Today was a little bit tone, a different tone even than that. It seemed like a man that was very close to a contract extension. It sounded like a man that was assured that he was going to be in Kansas City. Maybe they're just hammering out the final details on things. But this sounded like a very pleased individual, like a guy that was ready to make Kansas City his home. Patrick Mahomes even said today that he wanted Tyron Matthew there for the entirety that Patrick Mahomes is going to be there. Like that's how much he believes in his heart and what he brings to the defensive side of the football. The chiefs believe that as well. Steve Spagnuolo believes that like this, he is the engine on that side of the ball. I didn't think that there was ever any point that they weren't going to extend that man. And I think that we're about to see something come down the pipe based on his comments today. Am I, am I wrong, Maddie? Did you get that vibe as well? Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the tricky thing with Tyron Matthew. For as much as he just kind of fires off the hip on Twitter, he's always given very good interviews. And I mean that from the information that's presented from the entertainment value, but he's never really said bad stuff in interviews. He does a good job towing the line of being just kind of very on point with what he's saying and also being entertaining. It's completely different than his Twitter, which is literally him almost tweeting every thought that comes across his mind and deleting a lot of it. And he's told you as much essentially. So don't worry about what he tweets. And yeah, there's, there was a big difference from his last interview to this one in terms of the tone that he spoke about his contract. He did seem happy. He upsold the coaching staff a ton. I know he always does that, but he still upsold them a ton. He upsold a lot of his play, other his teammates a ton and the camaraderie they have with one another, their ability to spend time with each other this year that they didn't get to last year, how that's helping them on the field, making everything just kind of more fun and better for a football team. 
I would be incredibly surprised if the season starts without him having another contract, just again, trying to read between the lines that were being presented here. Well, they haven't shied away from profiling him on social media or anything right. like that. They're not keeping him under wraps. This seems like, you know, they, I think there's some level of optimism within the organization that things will get done because they're going to try to temper things and maybe not put him out in front in all of the social media that, I mean, he is, not only is he profiled, like he's profiled, he might be second most profiled player behind Patrick Mahomes. And that's saying a lot because there's some very marketable guys there like a Travis Kelsey. He usually is. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I think Travis is really the only one that gives him a run for his money on that front. It really is just the, those two guys behind him. Yeah. It's notable. It's worth it's huh. worth paying attention to. These are little things I think you just kind of got to keep an eye on. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think – I say I say this. We wanted to see more out of him in the passing game last year. And we know and we've seen more there for him in the passing game. Some of his tape at LSU was some of the best uh, pass-catching back tape that we've seen in the last few years. Really didn't get it going all that much. It was a lot of the basic staples last year. But it sounds like that's one of the points of emphasis for him. It sounds like one of the points of emphasis for this coaching staff trying to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire some more exposure here in the passing game. Um, and it's fascinating. Uh, he talked a little bit about Greg Lewis being involved with the running backs now and, and, and some of the talent that or some of the skill sets and some of the techniques that are kind of being translated over. I think that's really fascinating uh, from that perspective. When you think about it from a higher macro level, it, it makes the Greg Lewis move make even more sense. Uh, and I like the fact that, you know, there there's more intent to, to get Clyde Edwards Alaire going because I think undoubtedly that was a talent and a skill set that was underutilized and could really thrive underneath uh, with all the vertical stretch stuff that this team does and the threat that this offense presents down the field. Yeah. And I did a film review this week a live film room earlier this week talking about Clyde Edwards Alaire in the passing game and when we say that he was underutilized we don't mean target wise he still had 54 no. targets like he still got ample opportunities to touch the ball it was his usage it was his route tree and I did find plenty of it of examples of him getting to run a little more diverse route tree you know he got to run digs from empty on the boundary he got to run several drags against cornerbacks he got to run some angle routes he got to run a lot of wheel routes like it was it was still a diverse route tree that he got to run it was just very sparing how often he got to run some of those more complex concepts it was mostly swing passes it was mostly slant flat working off of travis kelsey <laughs> things like that that were just very basic things that you expect any running back to be able to do let alone a guy that can run routes like clyde edwards Hilaire. he talked about how he the thing the biggest difference between year one and year two is learning pre-snap learning what he needs to do going forward, reading the defense, reading the second and third levels of the defense and understanding the coverages and everything like that. And I think that that could kind of indicate if you're reading between the lines a little bit there, it kind of indicate some of the reasons why Daryl Williams was the primary third down back and why you didn't get to see Clyde Edwards Hiller maybe have the same route tree that we all expected coming out of college, which is to be expected again, COVID offseason, not getting really able to do any of that stuff. But I do think that this year, because of that diverse skill set, I think we're going to get to see a little bit more, especially with Greg Lewis. 
And I think Andy Reid kind of even went into it a little bit because he was asked about Clyde trying to talk about getting better in the receiving game. And Andy essentially said they gave him the basics last year. They gave him, you know, the base level stuff. And I think going back to Craig's point, what you did see at LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was often utilized kind of as the main target on a play. The way they ran their offense, they weaponized him as a receiver to the point in which he was going to be the first read or the second read based on you know the look the quarterback got. For the Chiefs, that's just simply not going to be the case a ton for him, especially on these more advanced routes. It's going to be a little bit later on because they have so many good weapons. They have so many other guys they can get open. And I think maybe that's where Clyde could have been struggling a little bit, trying to read the second and the third level, something that he wasn't asked to do as much at LSU or any college would ever ask a college player to do. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. And another big thing that kind of just caught my attention, he talked about how he's working on his ability to catch the ball. And it sounded like he was meaning more outside of his frame He even specifically said, you know, he's short, working on catching the ball above his head. What jumped right into my mind immediately was the interception versus the Dolphins, where the ball was thrown slightly over his head. He tipped it and it got picked off. I just wonder if that is something, not a problem, but just something that has come up at some point in time. It's like, hey, sometimes it is kind of hard for a guy that is operating as quickly as Patrick Mahomes is processing the game to always put the ball exactly on his numbers because he is a relatively shorter guy. So he's just going out. He's working hard at becoming a better receiver at the catch point because it's something that is going to impact him a little bit more in the NFL. So you love to see all this stuff. Can you confirm? There was one outside of his frame against Baltimore that should have been a tutty, and there was one outside of his frame against New Orleans that should have been a tutty as well. That it just it, it would have been difficult catches. Definitely would have been difficult catches, but they were outside of his frame. So I get it if that's the point of view. And it sounds yeah, it sounds like he's focusing on that because he was specifically asked, is he working, you know, with a specific quarterback or on a jugs machine? And he just kind of talked about a little bit of what he was doing, but he specifically mentioned catching, you know, some passes over his head. He said that he was a smaller guy essentially referencing that he doesn't have the biggest catch radius. And that is going to matter. He's a running back. He's not a wide receiver. You can't expect him to go high point a football if it's thrown over his head at some points in time. But he does have to be able to reach outside of his frame if you're going to run non-swings, non-flat routes all game long. Well, and I think it manifested itself a little bit on some of the angle routes this year too. You know, you saw them. He wasn't able to create as the same kind of separation as consistently as he was at LSU. So if you're not catching the ball away from your frame, you're already small. You're already not creating a ton of the same kind of separation that you were able to at the last at, in college. Guys can challenge and contest a little differently in those in those tight areas. So if you're letting the ball come to you and trying to catch it with your body that's when without a little bit more separation against a longer arm linebacker you miss there's there's some meat on there's meat off the bone or meat yeah. on the bone left you know and i think that i mean i i think that's fair so those are good positive indicators and man it, clyde getting better in the passing game clyde getting to run behind this group fantasy owners might want to keep an eye on him buy low buy low Ooh. right now and this is one of the ways I think the Chiefs can circumvent, you know, some questions that they might have at wide receiver too. I, even when yeah. Andy Reid was pressed about, you know, a, a question about how important a third wide receiver is, to me, I don't think he ever gave a clear answer that they think that they have a clear set number two receiver, number three wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He kind of lumped everybody into a committee. The Chiefs are going to need a second or a third target after Kelsey, after Tyree Kill a third guy to come and step up, it could be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the receiving game. If he can operate in some of these short and intermediate areas 
becoming a better receiver, he could really fulfill kind of that need that the team is going to have that they are losing in Sammy, a healthy Sammy Watkins when they did have him. There's a lot of guys on paper that could take those opportunities. There's a lot of guys on paper just in general with this football team. They've built a lot of guys that could be quality players along the right side of their offensive line. A a bunch of guys on paper that could step up and be better receivers this year. Guys that could step up on paper and play well at, at, at the corner spots. Like it's just a matter of all these things coming to fruition and what, I mean, there's good competition, and that's something you love with your 90-man roster. There's great competition. You're going to get the best versions of these guys coming out, or they're not going to be on the 53-man roster. But there's still a lot of questions about who's ultimately the guy to take those opportunities. I think they'll find them. It's just on the outside looking in, it's a little bit more interesting for sure. I'm just saying, just saying, in 2020, Clyde Edwards-Alaire plays 15 games. You project out you know, what he did in 13 out to 15. Number three on the team in targets. Wow. So he, I mean, he was almost already there. If he's healthy those last couple of games before they, you know, sit everybody in week 17, he might have been your third guy already. And I just, I would rather the targets take a hit and them not be late passes to the flat correct. as a check down because oh, there was a correct. fair amount of those. Like oh, yeah. Patrick Holmes <laughs> is not throwing the ball to the flat early if he can help it. That's just not what no. he's going to do. He's never going to do that. So when you just flare Clyde out there, you know, he's going to get, he gets like five, six targets a game. Not maybe that many, but some games it did seem like it was up to five or six. It's like, you're just flaring the ball out to him in the flat late in the down when zone defenders are watching him. It's like, this does nothing for anybody. I'm not really critiquing Mahomes for making this decision when it is. It's just putting him out there is bumping up those target numbers and making him look less efficient when he's just put into a bad position the way the rest of the offense is being run. So lower the target numbers, but up the quality of the targets. Let's get him downfield again. And hopefully he's putting in the work to make sure that he's going to be able to do that this year. Run some more stuff through him. Try to get him, try to try to operate, you know, those run, run him behind Travis, Kel- Travis Kelsey running a drag, run, tr- run, run Clyde behind him back and one-on-one with the backer. Give him an option route. We didn't see enough of that this year. I want to see some of that. Just give him, basically, let him basically have him run the Baltimore route tree from earlier in the season. That was good. Yeah. And then it disappeared completely. Yeah. They, oh, I they, thought you meant the route tree that the Ravens like receivers run because they only run to the middle of the field. How would you know, Maddie? They're not allowed to film the receivers in Baltimore. What what are you talking oh, about? Oh no, only only not allowed when Lamar throws the ball. Oh, that, I see Trace McSorley throw some dimes. <laughs> that Trace McSorley and dimes are not conducive. Chris Jones, we've had a lot of conversations this offseason about Chris Jones playing defensive end. We've speculated a little bit. We've tried to read between the lines on the context clues, but there's a lot more momentum out there now about Chris Jones playing defensive end. It started with Jay Glazer, who came out and flat out said it. And when Jay Glazer says something, it's pretty, pretty definitive. Chris Jones also spent a little bit of time talking about playing defensive end here too, Maddie. It seems like we are going to get a very, very significant sample size of Chris Jones playing defensive end in 2021. Andy Reid even came out and said he did a good job of it in shorts and t-shirts. He was excited to see him do it in pads. So yeah, I'm glad that we can put to bed kind of like the little bit of resistance that some people, you know, Chiefs fandom have been putting out there to Chris Jones playing defensive end. He's going to do it. It's set in stone that he's going to get a chance. And I do think it sounds like unless something goes poorly, it's not going to be just every now and then. 
This sounds like something the Chiefs are really trying to test out to see if it's going to work. If you listen to Chris Jones' press conference, he straight up said he entered the NFL as a defensive end, and he is just happy that he's finally getting to play it. This man has wanted to play defensive end his entire career. He wants to play defensive end more than he wants to do anything else on the football field. He's excited for it. I, when was the last time that we've really heard Chris Jones talk so glowingly about learning something about football? That's not a knock in any way. No, he just spent no. a lot of time not being a character not trying to hype up the fans. And that's what a lot of his press conferences are. He spent time talking about the technique differences, what he's having to learn. He repeated over and over again that he's just trying to go out there, learn this new position so he can be better. I think he's really excited for it. It sounds like the Chiefs are very much into this process. It sounds like it's going well from what everyone's saying. So yeah, we should be expecting Chris Jones to start unless something goes bad during training camp to start at defensive end kind of on base downs across from Frank Clark. If that doesn't happen, I would be a little shocked at this point in time. Yeah, no, I, I fully think that it's going to be base downs and some nickel downs, depending on the down and distance. I think you're going to see him out there in some sub package defensive end reps as well. I, like Matty said, he seems genuinely geeked about playing the position and the technique behind it. Not just like, not for any financial reasons, not for any, you know, ego reasons or anything like that. He just seems genuinely excited to line up and play defensive end. Now, you'll notice some of the other questions when he was pressed a little bit. He did say, I'm still going to be playing all over the defensive line. I fully believe that once we get to dime, Chris Jones is full-time interior pass rusher. Pin your ears back. Get to get after the quarterback where we know he can thrive as a pass rusher. So I know that there is some concern about you know him coming off the edge, him having the burst, him having the ability to beat tackles, you know, really making that transition in the passing game and hurting his pass rush. I still fully believe that they are going to utilize him on obvious passing downs on the inside, and that's where he does his damage. So I think that he's still going to have plenty of pass rush effectivity, and I think that this is going to help him in the run game as well. I just think that overall, it's going to be a very positive thing. The only the only major concern that I have is something that he actually brought up, coverage. Because Steve Spagnuolo will drop his defensive ends in coverage. Believe it or not, it's not Bob Sutton level. Everybody chill. But he does get to drop into coverage a little bit. He has dropped into coverage before under Steve Spagnuolo, but he's going to have more of those responsibilities depending on the blitz package. So just something to keep an eye out. He said that he's learning all that stuff too. Just got to pay a little bit of attention to that. I'll be worried. Uh, one of the concerns I have, I've said this before, is if they put him in com or if he gets put in conflict by some smart teams, like that could be a problem because you you can mitigate that by scraping and letting him crash but teams are going to pick up on that real quick too so you can't just lean on that and so like i think if he gets put in conflict too much i think that could be a, that could be problematic for him at times i will go far as as far as to say this craig it's a mistake if they don't let him rush from inside uh they have to they have to it i think they're it's a massive to. mistake yeah if they don't I, I, yeah i shouldn't even say they have to they're going to i agree with that they're, they're just going to so i what'll be interesting there is how much how much run does jaron reed get because Tur turk wharton's there too that's going to be fascinating to watch too so is turk is is jaron reed really just primarily getting the early down work and then it's turk or are mm -hmm. you just 
Are you letting how what's what's Jaron Reed's snap count gonna look like? These are well, these are good was, problems oh, to have. These right. are really oh, I good wanted problems. to go to Jaron Reed next because uh go we got it. yet another round of press conferences and yet again nothing but praise for Jaron Reed and especially from Big Red. Yet once again, Andy Reed made sure he put it out there that you guys are not talking enough about Jaron Reed and how good he is. Yeah. So I very much think that Jaron Reed, and they've said it before, he is the reason that they're getting this flexible with Chris Jones. He is the reason this is happening. I would feel more worried about Derek Nottie's snap count than Jaron Reed's snap count at this point in time. And I mm. love Derek Nottie. I think he's a great run defender. But when people go, I, the question that somebody asked Chris Jones was about, uh, it was either Chris Jones or Andy. I don't remember who was asked, but how do you de- handle potentially getting worse at two positions by moving Chris Jones outside the defensive end? And I'm thinking in my head, I don't know if you do get worse at two positions because Jerron Reed's pretty darn good. And especially on potential running downs, he's a better run defender and defensive tackle than Chris Jones is. So you get better as a run defender on the inside. You're putting by far the most talented player at defensive end. So I just don't get those kind of questions. I really do think there's a little bit of an undersell on how good Jerron Reed can be in this defense because everyone wants to focus on Chris Jones playing defensive end. I do want to say kind of the the polar opposite of Nick Bolton here. This is a passing camp and they won't stop talking about Jerron Reed. Like they they are super high on Jerron Reed right now in a passing camp. That says something. And I believe it was Doug Farrar wrote an article about how Jerron Reed was the most efficient, essentially the best pass rusher from the five tech spot, which is actually relatively wide for Mm -hmm. a defensive tackle, especially a bigger bodied guy. But I think he had four solo sacks from a five technique position. So it's not that Jerron Reed absolutely can't rush the passer. I do want to be very clear. Jerron Reed has been a better pass rusher than Tershawn Wharton has been at this point in time in their NFL careers. So you can get these guys all on the field. You can cycle them through. But Andy has spent a lot of time making sure Jerron Reed gets brought up, as Craig just said, at a passing camp. So I really do think that he could be in for a, a huge snap count, like whether it's on rundowns and in passing down work. I think they like Jerron Reed a lot more than maybe even we, who have talked about him a lot, are giving them credit for. Well, and the other thing we don't talk a lot about, we might have talked about this the last time, is this Chris Jones playing out on the edge aligns with a lot of Steve Spagnuolo's preferences with his front. And as much of a priority has been spent on stopping the run. I mean, this team's got two, they've drafted two linebackers too in the last two years. They're beefing up the interior. They're going to be playing thicker on their front. They're trying to stop the run so they can earn the right to rush the passer. And I mean, that's Steve Spagnuolo's talked about for the last two years. And so they've made their team better up front on early downs, whether or not you think running the football matters, they've given themselves a better personnel fit for Steve Spagnuolo and a better group up front for Steve Spagnuolo. And you got to like that. One final note before we get out of here, Martinez Rankin uh, acquired in the Carlos Hyde trade a couple of years ago, a former top 100 selection. The Chiefs got him a year removed from being a top 100 selection. The offensive tackle, offensive guard, whatever you want to call him, offensive lineman. He was released today. In comes Blue Springs uh, native Darius Shepard, formerly of North Dakota State. Uh, it's it's a bummer for Martinez Rankin because I think in a limited sample size, we saw some promise from him, uh, mm-hmm. even in Kansas City. Um, and I, I think there was, uh, for me, there was optimism that he could potentially be a guy that, you know, 
plays. I, you know, if you looked at, if you looked at that roster last year, I think, I think Martinez Rankin was more talented. Some of the guys that got a lot of playing time on that Chiefs offensive line last year, injuries have always just been a big problem for him. And they, they've really hamstrung kind of pun intended, I guess, uh, even though it's not a hamstring, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's limited his, his career to this point. That's just, I mean, that's just how it's been for him. Best of luck to him. It is a bummer to see a guy with a lot of talent that's just struggling to stay healthy, not be able to get into the mix here. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll get to some of the other, what this means for some of the offensive tackles. But I want to talk a little bit about Darius Shepard here. Coming out of North Dakota State, he had over 1,000 yards receiving and nine touchdowns in 2018, and he was a tryout player for the Green Bay Packers, not an undrafted free agent. He actually showed up to tryouts the open tryout situation made the team and did really well worked his ass off and we've heard some stories just from some people behind the scenes also a ridiculously smart player that picked up the playbook and players that had been there for a couple years were actually asking him some of the questions about the route tree and how to leverage things He's a slot receiver. I think that's where he primarily will be used and as, as a kick returner. I can see him as maybe a special teamer if he does make this roster. But it is worth noting, amongst all the players in this wide receiver room, slot doesn't seem to be the position that they are lacking in. And this was the move that they decided to make. It wasn't going for an X receiver or a bigger bodied guy. They wanted another slot receiver. Again, could just be a Dave Tobe move. You know, he's trying to bolster his special teams and they moved on from Martinez Rankin. But it is worth noting a guy that works that hard, picks things up that quickly. That that that's only a benefit to him in an Andy Reid offense that he's coming in late to. So three big takes from this for me. One, what a tough situation for Darius Shepard to go to. This wide receiver room, there's not a ton of talent after Tyreek Hill at the top, but there's a lot of guys that present a specific level of talent and skill, and a lot of them kind of align perfectly with what Shepard can do. I do think it will be hard for him to overtake some of those guys that are have already been around here. I think it's a really tough situation for him to step into. Two, Houston Texans officially win the Carlos Hyde for Martinez Rankin trade because Carlos Hyde had a quality year for them when he first got there before they let him go. Bill O'Brien wins no trades. You're wrong. No. What do you mean? He got a running back. That's a win for Bill O'Brien. And three, this is might be his one. last win. That might be his last win. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the real takeaway for me, though. Losing Martinez Rankin, it really leaves you to wonder who is going to be playing left tackle behind Orlando Brown. I think as of now, everything we have seen or have heard or read about the Chiefs camps has been Mike Rimmers has been starting at right tackle. You would think the next best offensive tackle after the two starters would kind of become a de facto swing tackle. That would be Lucas Niang. We know he worked out a little bit at left tackle with his trainer in the offseason. We know it was potentially on his radar. I do wonder if this leads to Lucas Niang not being cemented as a backup, but just kind of trying to play in as a swing tackle role, which is a position the Chiefs will need. I don't think that's a bad position for him in year one. I would love to see him take that right tackle spot, but it sounds like Rimmers is getting the majority of those reps. So I wonder if this leads to Lucas Niang getting a lot more reps on both sides as kind of a swing tackle. Well, and things could get even more interesting there if this Trey Smith news is true and Kyle Long gets some looks at right tackle too. Please then, get the best I mean, five out there. I just I mean, yeah. This the, long trade train needs that conductor to lead it right to glory. 
I think I think that's what we got to end on right there. <laughs> I am all aboard this pun. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory on the KC Sports Network. Thank you so much for listening to this great show presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC. Be sure to check everything going out on KC Sports Network, Substack, and more. Thank you. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.